be full of fright. I dreamt that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show. And I must confess to you, there were many there I knew. Welcome to Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. This is episode 60 of the Dispatchist, Suddenly Satan's. Behold, Baphomet. Might be Mastema. Seemingly Samuel. Look, it's Lucifer. Amazing Asmodeus. Butts, it's balls. What? Balls? Bales. <laughs> Damn it. Bale. I like balls. Behold! No, he said balls. Behold. Balls! Well, this has gone into the gutter faster than usual. I applaud you. Anyway, this week we're going to be tackling some of the, I guess, the intertestamental Satan boom, around about 200 BC or thereabouts, when suddenly the devil became a really good idea. Yep. But before we do that, let me introduce my co-hosts. With me this week are Victoria. Hello. And Jamin. Well, hello there. And. <laughs> Where's wow. your usual zing? That's a new. That's a. It's a new Jamin. I thought that was age. super zingy. Well, I'm Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Well, did y'all have a good week? Yes, I actually was on the Joko cruise, Ooh. and I did a presentation. They have these shadow events where that are programmed by the passengers on the cruise and i did a session called let's talk about satan oh it was what'd super you talk fun. about <laughs> strangely enough instapot recipes mm. yes <laughs> yeah and even though i was up against you're wrong about a recording of you're wrong about um i still had uh, about 33 people and everybody was super engaged i met some mormons or some former Mormons, I should say. And I befriended a Freemason. So we might have some uh, people we can uh, mine for er- information. We are mad with the alliteration this week, too. Befriending a Freemason? Yeah. That should be an episode. Uh-huh. And uh, meeting Mormons? Yes. Meeting for- no, it has to be meeting former Mormons. Meeting former Mormons. <laughs> Freely meeting former Mormons. Freely meeting former Ooh, Mormons. That's good. That's good. I like that. And I apologize for my voice. I lost it uh, talking loudly, having to talk loudly through a mask. So, Well, while pining for your absence, I went to every New Age bookstore in Austin on that Saturday. Mm-hmm. And next to the Glass Coffin Vampire Establishment, I found an unnamed goth speakeasy and esoterica museum, including a museum of haunted artifacts. That's a great museum. We need oh, to have yeah. that guy on. Mm-hmm. And they're they're going to be doing a live Bloody Mary with a haunted mirror very soon. <gasps> Ooh, let's go. When is it? Yeah, I have no idea. Well, we need to go anyway, even if it is not the Bloody Mary thing. And you'll have to take me to more of these New Age stores. Yes. Mm-hmm. I do have some sad news this week. It's sad for me, at least, and probably for... Well, we're all researchers. Yeah. One of us is a researcher. (laughs) I lost lost two of my esoterica authors this week that I really love. Hmm. Michael Heiser, who I've referenced time and time again, kind of Old Testament magic Mm -hmm. researcher, 
he, he went in January 23rd, and Jake Stratton Kent died on January 15th, and he was an amazing writer on Goetic Demon stuff out of England, and I'm very sad to see both of them go. I, that is sad because, I don't know, that means their body of work, well, the body of work exists, but there will be no more work from them. How old were they? Um, Heiser looked to be in his 70s. I'm actually not sure. Stratton mm-hmm. Kent was like 58 or so. He's very young. Well, that's terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a little too close. <laughs> I Yeah, I definitely feel your pain there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also, uh, I was thinking like, gosh, it would be amazing to, ah, just lost my lozenges, um, to have one of them visit us. Stratton Kent was definitely on my wish list. <sighs> I'm well, so sorry. I am yeah. too. Can I, but I can, I can bring up the tone a bit with some uh, fun hell news this week. It's not really hell news at all, but it's one of the, one of the best headlines I've seen in months and months. Mm-hmm. Corgi size, what's well, from the Jerusalem Post? So maybe, I don't know. Corgi sized meteor as heavy as four baby elephants hits Texas. <laughs> that wouldn't, that one threw me because I, I get the size. But four baby elephants. One well, yeah. is just a full-grown elephant. Right, right. Or, <laughs> or, or two. Two hippos. <laughs> or like two teenage elephants the size of a corgi. Yeah, a well, baby elephant. Yeah, it's really like two very arbitrary units of measurement for an astronomical item. That, I hadn't even thought about that. Like that's kind of a, it's a luxurious way of measuring something. Like it's wasteful. It's very wasteful. (laughs) You can recycle them. They're only conceptual elephants. Maybe they're going for units that everybody knows. Like, oh, okay. I have no idea how big a baby elephant is. (laughs) A full-grown elephant? That's large. That's pretty large, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can pick up a corgi. I assume you can, like, two people could pick up a baby elephant, right? Depends on the age of the elephant, too. Like when is it? When does it cease to be a baby? Oh, oh, goodness! Yeah, yeah, like baby horses. Like they're born, Colts? they can get up and run. Uh-huh. Right, an elephant, can, I think, can do the same thing. Baby people, like it takes no. them four or five years before they can run. They're useless. Absolutely useless. <laughs> they can't do anything. <laughs> you can, you can't even throw them at Texas. Gosh, no. I mean, yeah, you can't measure anything with them for sure. My baby niece was trying to strangle me with my beer necklace today. <laughs> oh, I think I think that's either a good sign or a bad sign. But yeah. it's a sign of something. Column A, column B, yeah. Oh, I did like the fact that they had a picture of baby elephants and said, adorable baby elephants. Right. And had no relevance. <laughs> no, none, none whatsoever. <laughs> well, baby, a baby elephant can weigh as much as 113 kilograms. Mm-hmm. So all these fictional units of measurement, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's... <laughs> kilograms, give me a break. <laughs> They're all abstract. I will say that we should adopt the Corgi unit. And when we talk about the Temple of Solomon, there are lots of blueprints online. We could discuss the Temple of Solomon in Corgi units. The corgi to cubic conversion? Yes, uh-huh, yeah. exactly. This is, this is 1.3 corgis high. <laughs> <laughs> and then we translate that into baby elephant. Yeah, yeah. For, you know, for the Europeans. <laughs>
Let's see, other hell news from the right-wing weirdness department. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones claims artists required to pledge to Lucifer upon signing record deals. So, how would he, oh, how would he know this? Like, how? Well, you, you forgot about his jazz singer career <laughs> back in the 80s. <laughs> and secondly, why does he care? I, I was surprised that he has some kind of religious media thing going on. Um, Alex Jones is just kind of right-wing lunacy thing and has his own, apparently, Bible news channel. So there's that. It's not on my TV. No. And I mean, is this a new thing? Like, did he suddenly, after uh, Sandy Hook, like, decide, oh, okay, I better, I'm going to go into religion now or no, like, he's been, what? He's been sitting on this story for 20 years, apparently. Oh, my God. Well, I was really happy to see that Mike Mills of R.E.M., was like, <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> Just certainly true. Him. True for me, anyway. <laughs> I don't even know, like, what he has to gain from that. The lols. I guess, yeah. I guess just publicity. Maybe he's going to sell something. Maybe a new record contract. I don't Ooh. know. Maybe he's going to explain. Yeah, this explains his musical career. Um. But also, I don't know, this is <laughs> just made me think about, oh, was it Clint Black? Like, it was some country music star who had a key. He put out a couple of albums as an alternative music mu- musician and had an alter ego named Chris Gaines. It was, I was, um, Garth, Garth? Yeah. Brooks? Yeah, yeah, Garth Brooks. Yeah. It was Chris Gaines. So and maybe- then he was trying to be serious and then everyone laughed at him. And then he like, he was like, no, ha ha guys. It was just a joke. I wasn't trying to be a serious musician. Ha ha. Mm-hmm. And I felt bad for him. It's like, he tried. Lean in, man. Just it lean was, in. <laughs> it was the nom de plume that did him in. Yeah. And, it, and that he chose to look like Chris Angel. <laughs> that, like- <laughs> that is what did him in. I mean, I like Chris Angel, but come on, at least be, try to be original. Come up yeah. with your own. Your own shtick, right? But that's semi-related. I have another bit of hell news. Oh. Yes. I want to talk about a movie that I'm super excited to see. Cocaine Bear? (laughs) Yeah, and there's going to be like Cocaine Shark. Like there's now going to be this uh, series of movies about cocaine animals. (laughs) You know, the only way this could get better would be if we had cocaine, co- oh, the Cor- only way to- Corgane? <laughs> Cor- <laughs> cocaine corgis. I would say cocaine shark nato. Oh, cocaine uh, shark nato. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or corgnado. Corgnado? <laughs> Even better. What's worse than sharks in a spiral? Corgis in a maelstrom. <laughs> this is a really weird animal exploitation period we could be going into. It's true. It's true. And I think corgis would be more of a cyclone. A short cyclone. <laughs> a very short cyclone. <laughs> but I also like the idea of measuring like cocaine in either baby elephants. Oh, actually, it'd be like, co- you know, like maybe a tenth of a baby elephant for cocaine. And well, it depends on how much a third cocaine. Of a corgi. I guess so. Like, if, you know, like, you know, Pablo Escobar, cocaine would be like, Multiple corgis, right? Or potentially a baby elephant. 
one just baby one elephant. just one baby elephant one one cocaine elephant <laughs> i mean let's not go stevie nicks here <laughs> now, now i'm trying to think of doing an entire line of baby elephants <laughs> oh Let's no the, the baby need, elephant need one of those bubble tea straws <laughs> he get he get a trunk stuck up halfway through <laughs> so, about about the, about this movie victoria oh, no, the, right. the alleged movie what sorry ta- what what the, what were we talking about yes so so it's about the satanic panic of the 80s it's called uh satan wants you and the core of it is the book that started a lot of the satanic panic that Michelle remembers um, that she wrote with her lawyer about this very lurid, lurid book about uh, sexual abuse she suffered, rituals she uh, remembered being a part, like watching or being a part of. Um, then other people started to chime in about their own experiences and, you know, it wasn't true. <laughs> Wait, be- this is this a sp- real movie? Yeah, yeah, it it premiered at South by Southwest. And so hopefully it'll go into greater distribution. But it's sort of, I guess, I mean, we've talked about satanic panic before, but kind of the the roots of what do they call it? The false memories or uh, the kind of um, I mean, it's really the madness of crowds. But yeah, uh, the Mandela effect. Yeah. And just kind of like the. There's a there's a psychiatric term for it, but yeah, where you you create false memories it's, and you it's believe they're real. Called being batshit crazy. Hmm. Ah. Well, I I was not actually listening to anything you said uh, <laughs> because I thought that if I googled Michelle remembers the musical, I'd find something really funny. Uh huh. And I didn't. But the fifth article I I saw related to that was titled. The destructive conspiracy theory that Victoria unleashed upon the world. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that article. Well, note, make a note. We have to, when when we start doing our YouTube videos, we need to create the Michelle, Re- Michelle Remembers the musical. Right. Because I feel like it would be like, I don't know, I'm thinking something like at least one of the songs has to be l- along the lines of memories from Cats. Implanted memories. <laughs> Boy. But I'm super psyched about the movie because it looks like it has a lot of, um, there's a trailer online and it looks like it has a lot of uh, news, you know, like talk show footage and yeah. uh, good, good, um, good archival. And it's footage. playing, playing downtown this weekend. Yeah, this weekend. <gasps> at, really? At South, yeah, at South By. In similar well, we hell were- news. <laughs> But we won't get to, I mean, it's, since it's South by, we won't get to see it. Cause I'm staying the hell away. We're locals. Yeah, because we no live money. here. Right. <laughs> we right. live here, so we're not allowed to go to South by. <laughs> Avoid the molten core. Uh-huh. But maybe it'll come, maybe it'll show like, you know, afterwards, or we can find it somehow. Maybe when we go to SatanCon. Yeah. Oh, do we need to talk about SatanCon then? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about SatanCon. Sure. SatanCon is April 28th, 29th, and 30th. Tickets are sold out, so if you're catching this now, too bad. <laughs> Which is crazy, yeah. Right. But maybe you're going to SatanCon. And if so, at 11.15 or 11.45 or maybe 11.30, you should- <laughs> I need to look at the schedule, but 11-ish. Let's just say 11-ish. A little after 11. A little after 11. We're going to be presenting a panel on 5,000 Years of Demonology, and if you're there, cheer, because 
we won't get any other applause. Yay. Oh, <laughs> and we're doing it in one hour. So right, that's uh, how mm-hmm. many years is that per second? Five. We got to oh, figure that out. Calc. And I think we may have to sing it if we want to get all of that in. Right, like like Warner Brothers Animaniac style. Yes. Uh-huh. It's got to be a, a real blitz through the subject. I mean, usually I have less to cover and more time, mm-hmm. but all the handles are getting basically an hour each, so it's going to be pretty tight. Well, maybe we can talk at the same time. Sure. <laughs> no, no, no change there then. <laughs> Google says 4.38 E plus 7. I don't know what that means. What is <laughs> How many hours are in 5,000 years? Dude, we're, we're, we're humanities majors. Can you please translate? That's right. Into corgis. <laughs> bark, 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 <laughs> bark, 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 <laughs> Maybe we could be like, we get some corgis. Give them a lot of cocaine. <laughs> no. <laughs> let them deliver the talk. <laughs> or you could do the dance of the bees in the background. That's right. This, this is like the the science experiment. What happens when you give spiders meth? What happens when you give spiders caffeine? Oh, what science happens that. when you give spiders LSD? Same thing, but corgis. Yeah. <laughs> why? 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 This this feels a little a, a little ignoble price. <laughs> Look. All the low-hanging fruit was already taken. Okay. I had to do my research. We somehow. already gave cocaine to bears. Here's that's right. Uh-huh. Here's my my research paper on psilocybin corgis. They just listen to a lot of talking heads through headphones. So yeah, for those of you listening along at home, no corgis were harmed during the making of this show. No, not, none of us have corgis. We waited until later. <laughs> if we did have corgis, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing that's keeping <laughs> just, you made me swallow my cough drop oh. what's on your bucket list psilocybin corgis did anybody bring anything to the party today i brought a drink and i have to say this is really hard this is a really hard pairing i found a site called old testament cocktails what okay. Actually, the site is um, Hello Cocktail blog, and they had Old Testament cocktails. So they had a handful of Old Testament-themed cocktails. And the one that I've chosen, even though it's, you know, a little bit of a footnote to what we're talking about today, we will. I'm a fangirl for for Solomon's Temple um, and the Testament of Solomon. So this is King Solomon's Cooler. Mm -hmm. And it is... uh, 1.5 1.5 ounces of gin, two ounces of pressed apple juice, five half an ounce of lime juice, half an ounce of lemon juice, and you top it with lemonade. I wonder what the Solomon connection is. It's just, you know, it's hot. Oh. You're building a temple. You need something refreshing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're at the Japanese, the Austin Japanese convenience store this weekend, Asahi, picking up some Japanese snacks for a picnic. And they had energy jelly, which I've seen on YouTube. And I was like, oh, I'm buying this for everyone. It's white grape flavored energy jelly. Oh, God. It comes in a pouch and you just squeeze it into your swallow hole. (laughs) And it's kind of good. Like if you're if you're cycling or running or podcasting and you need a hit of energy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Boom. 
Wow. It was really good because, like, you, you take it and you just, like, you squeeze the pouch and this viscous grape <laughs> just flows into your face. You're not selling it well. <laughs> I think this is mentioned in Michelle Remembers. <laughs> <laughs> But no, this was this was fun. It was a hit of energy. So uh, help yourself, guys. So I don't know. Does it? Is it? Uh, do you just squirt it in without having to taste it? Because like five hour energy drinks taste horrible. You clutch no. it in your. You clench it in your fist, and it explodes <laughs> out from your fingers. Yeah, and it explodes, and it tastes like white grape. Okay. Which I don't know what white grapes are. They weren't purple, and they weren't green. It's like the chicken of fruit juice. <laughs> yes oh yes. my gosh what is it what the white grape juice that you use for cooking it's wine it's because it's not alcoholic right 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 you know there's a difference between wine and grape juice right <laughs> what <laughs> maybe not in your world <laughs> I, I do have a little entertainment okay oh. uh, yeah being turned into fire-breathing trees in the building of the fornicators and burrowed into by swarms of black and fell hellhounds every 10 days. <laughs> so every 10 days, you can count on... Swarms being... of black and foul hellhounds. Okay. And what at is least, the... At least you get nine days off. That's right, to kind of heal. Well, I don't know if there's a comma splice or not, because commas weren't invented at the time. But oh, yeah. Yeah, you're turned into fire-breathing trees in the building of the fornicators. And then in the second clause... Black and foul hellhounds every 10 days. So what is the building of the fornicators? Wait. Fire breathing uh, trees? Yes. So it's you, like screaming trees, the 90s. So trees uh, are flammable. Yes. That's part of the torture is, and then you breathe fire. It's like living in Austin. It's in Same. the summer. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, except kind cedar of. pollen. Local and, humor. And the building of the fornicators. <laughs> okay. Awesome. It's, it's, it's not like 12th in, in Congress, I think. <laughs> wow. That's a, that's a bizarre one. Yeah. I was, I was pleased. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> so this All week's right. topic is the surprise invention of Satan, mm -hmm. which comes kind of Late right. in the Hebrew Bible and early in the Christian Bible period, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've, we've talked about the invention of Satan and how it kind of goes back thousands of years. This is really starting to get to the, like, Satan of the Bible, the sort of anti-divine power. Uh, and as always, let's just remind ourselves that our slogan here is we're going to get it wrong because yes. we're going to get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that that and, and, and everything is true. It's basically right. canon. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And this is actually we'll we'll come back to this uh kind of topic because at some point we'll talk about sort of the long the long history of where we get our current idea of Satan. Yeah, I'll um, probably revisit this several times. At mm -hmm. least the high a lot of these Satans don't really go anywhere. They just kind of are there and they just linger on in like remorse and things like that, but they don't really make the weekly world news pages very often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So just to add to the excitement, I feel like it's going to be kind of important to start this one with a little history lesson, because context is kind of everything with this entire story. Okay. And also, I think we're getting, we're going to get Second Temple Judaism period confused with everything else. So 
I just want to do a, a quick rundown. <laughs> when we last left our heroes, we were discussing more First Temple Judaism, which runs from about 900 when the kingdoms of Israel and Judah were sort of founded and the Jewish monarchy began, down to seven. Well, since 720, the Jewish Empire or the Jewish kings were kind of wiped out to be replaced by the Neo Assyrian Empire. But the first temple was destroyed in 586, and I think that's kind of considered the end of First Temple Judaism because the first temple went away. Ah, it's on the box. It happens. So the first temple was destroyed during the Babylonian takeover. Okay. Babylonian Empire. And it was pretty soon after that, the Jews were on fairly good terms with the Babylonian regime. They had established a lot of Jewish schools and things. It was it was not a bad period. And during the initial exile, a lot of the ideas for what would become the Hebrew Bible were written down. And after the exile, but while the Babylonians were still in charge, those were codified into what would become the Torah. That's kind of the short form. I did read a really pretty psalm from that period. Psalm 127. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down. Yea, we wept and we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there, they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Aww. I just really like, I mean, just the idea of like a couple of Jewish musicians sitting on the banks being asked to, hey, sing a song about your homeland that we took from you. It's kind of beautiful and sad. Yeah, and it has resonances with 20th century history a little bit, which is disturbing. We ever let go of colonialism? It's, it's kind yeah. of a racial hobby. Yeah, and anti-Semitism. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Was this Daniel and his ilk, the young, the fine young men being sent to the courts and the rest of everyone else who was ugly just stayed home and were Jewish. Wait, what? I need more information. The book of Daniel, when Daniel oh. and this is this period, right? Yeah, Daniel was a young noble taken to captivity by Nebuchadnezzar right. of Babylon. So yeah, that is the Babylonian takeover and exile. Good call. And so Whoa. this is the time period when... They were in captivity. Well, I say in captivity. They were taken over, and then the whole like many many tekel. Wait, what? <laughs> what the flying? No, many many tekel parson. The writing on the wall. Oh, okay, okay. And the dreams, and like Nebuchadnezzar's, like I dreamed about cows. Oh, yeah, the yes. Cows. Okay. This is that period. Okay, so the first temple wasn't. Well, it, it is in people's memories, at least. And that ran, it ran until 586. Okay. So I know we'll probably talk about this, but just so I have my understanding straight. The book of Daniel, though, was written during the height of the Maccabean crisis, right? Because it was a, a glorified history? It wasn't written during? Um, It seems... Wiki says... Well, Daniel was 6th century BC. Uh-huh. When was the book written? That during the Maccabean crisis. That's all, that's what I have and I need to see what the time period for that is. Anywho, we can come to that cuz uh I have some 
I have some understanding or some information about about why the book was written at that period. Oh, it's an apocalypse. So yeah, you're right. It's mm-hmm. it's going to be second century, around the okay. time of all the Satans. Okay. 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 Hey, it's right that, on. That's today. So ab- <laughs> about a quarter of the people of Judah were exiled to Babylon. So like maybe twenty thousand of a population of seventy five thousand. So just some random numbers there. Jerusalem was pretty much flattened, but chunks of the cities remained. Settlements in Judah remained. Judah, Judah was settled like with no interruptions. There wasn't really a problem. This is mostly like the interior political center that got taken away. By 540-ish, Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem, and the Babylonians helped rebuild the temple. And uh, we started really kind of consolidating what it meant to be Jewish, as opposed to what it meant to be a, a, a person of Israel earlier. We mm-hmm. get away from the Israel religion and get into the Jewish religion at this point. The Babylonian period ran until, um, or the Persian period really, ran until about 332 when Greece took over. Okay. And then that ran until about 110 when the Maccabean period happened and Jews established their own, their own independent kingdom again. And that ran, ran to 60 BC when Rome took over rather violently and everything got totally crushed and flattened, and that was the end of Second Temple Judaism and any okay. sort of Jewish homeland. Can you explain a little bit more to me about the Maccabees and what that was about? Um, as best Are you going to come to that? As best as I understand, no, I hadn't planned to. I mean, it kind of, okay. it's kind of tied to the, the, the caves at Koran and the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yes. So there was a lot of people that kind of were very cozy with their conquering empires like the persians and the jews got together very closely that's where the um that's where the the pharisees came from as a term that's comes from the same root word as persia and then the hellenized jews really they were like very we had the greek version of the old testament the septuagint and there was a lot of um, Jewish cross-pollination in Alexandria and Jewish intelligentsia were treated fairly well. And there was a lot of like cozying up to this this great empire, which made more purist members of the religion, more monotheistic members of the religion, kind of nervous and upset because that was that was kind of watering down their faith. I think this is probably where the book of Leviticus comes in, where you start really like codifying all these rules to be Jewish, to be separate from the people around you. So over and over again, the empire that had taken over, the Jews would kind of, you know, make peace with them and be prosperous under them. But that would make some people angry. And the Maccabees were a Jewish warrior group uh, that was kind of wanted to reform Judaism and get away from these compromises with the enemy and get back to a Jewish state. And that didn't really go very well over very well with Rome, so that kind of got destroyed at about sixty. But during that period, that like hundred fifty year period or so, there was an independent Jewish state for a time, a very small time and a very small state. But this was the group that also kind of built the library at Qumran that would eventually become the Dead Sea Scrolls when they were sealed up and made into a time capsule. So separatist Jewish warriors and purists, I guess, is the very like ten word description. Okay, okay. Because yeah, I have I have more to say on that, but it probably should come a little later. 
I just wanted to have a better understanding of what I would be talking about (laughs) or what I would mention. I think the Maccabees really plays into how uh, Elaine Pagels would talk about the origins of Satan. Yeah, that's true. And that's exactly what I wanted to talk about because I read an article that she wrote about the social history of Satan. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially her argument that um, the development of Satan actually uh, has more to do with this conflict between uh, Jews, different factions of Jews that, again, as you said, there's the ones that seem to be assimilating to the conquering groups and then the more the purists who saw that as moving away from the true religion. And so the Maccabees figure into that. Um, what you see here is, you know, not this devil that the describing of this kind of intimate conflict mm. to Satan and sort of naming this other group as being followers of Satan. Yeah. Um, Children of Belial. Exactly. Exactly. And so, in a lot of uh, the kind of apocryphal literature, you get these descri- like the the description of these what they would consider heretical groups as 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 Satan's and followers of Belial. Is it Belial? Belial? I, I always do Belial. I'm not sure. Belial and also Mastema is yes. another name that comes up a lot. Yeah. But it's kind of this more intimate view of the devil and aligns a lot with witch trials because it's not, you know, it's not the people far away that you're ascribing these qualities to. It's people who are in your community and in your house because that's a greater, there's greater risk there. And so you have to other them. You have to damn them in some way. And so the Jubilees is one of the books that she mentions as coming into this story she talks about the Watchers and sort of a different interpretation of the Watcher story as being kind of a parable about this conflict, the um, apocalypse of the animals in the Jubilees. Again, another parable, which I guess you're going to talk about it probably in a little bit. We had a nice long talk about the parable of the animals last episode okay? Uh, because I thought it was really funny. Yes, yes, yes. So call a call back to that. and. Um, also, the what we talked, I think we talked about it last time or maybe previously, the story of Adam and Eve, the apocryphal mm-hmm. <laughs> story of Adam and Eve also feeds into this um, conflict and the creation or the ascribing of satanic qualities to the group that the kind of true, the people who adhered to the true religion really were fighting against. Yeah. I, I, sort of there was socially. Like- yeah. There was like the Cain's children that were demonized yep. in that one. Is that yep, what yep, I yep, mean? Yep, yep. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like some of the big Satan ideas were created by the need to other the empire that had taken over. Yep, but yep, we yep. fine-tuned it and detailed it by honing in on the people that are in our family that just have just different beliefs at that point. Right, right. And so, let's see. There's a. I know that there's also this uh, kind of... Uh, apocalyptic vision of the the prince of darkness versus the prince of light and the prince of light being michael and the sort of saying you know at some point michael is going to vanquish the prince of darkness and that story kind of keeps following through a lot of what we've been talking about yeah that was the satan pair that i wanted to lead with because i just thought they were really interesting that Mm -hmm. is melchizedek is the king of wickedness 
Yeah. This is the mm-hmm. Testament of Amron, apparently. But Melchizera is backformed from Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, who is in the Old Testament, he's the priest that kind of gives Abraham his calling as uh, a servant of El Yelion. But and so this Melchizera is an angel of darkness. But that's formed at a time when Melchizedek is starting to be associated with a messianic role, or he's actually interchangeable with Jesus in some traditions, which I'd never heard that before. Because mm-hmm. this is like, you know, quasi-historical figure whose name may mean like servant of Sadak, who's a Canaanite god, but kind of priest of the Most High God is what he's associated with. And later on, he's kind of free associated with Michael, like their names become interchangeable. He's given the name El. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a character that could have existed that was strongly allied with El and Jesus. And it's very strange to me. But Melchizera is the king of wickedness that kind of opposes him. This is an early dualistic thing. And since Michael is also opposed to Belial, I think Belial and Melchizera, the king of wickedness, are kind of associated with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that I kind of glommed on to that she pointed to is that the question in this period of conflict and these parables <laughs> that in one case, you know, explains the cre- Satan is created as this force here. It's not, you know, how could one of God's angels turn against him, but how could one of us become one of them? Mm, right. Right. So, so it's there's a, it's that a more, a more human othering. Yeah. It's a betrayal, you know, <laughs> The Angel of Darkness, I think you also mentioned earlier, appears in the Manual of Discipline, which mm-hmm. is or Community Rule, which is a book of how to be a part of the Qumran community found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. And it's kind of just rules for living and things like that. But it introduces the idea of a spirit of light and truth and a spirit of darkness, like the angels on your shoulders almost. And everybody encounters them individually, and their struggle with them is kind of part of the grand cosmic struggle. So your life as a Jew is a part of this cosmic Persian light and darkness struggle. Mm-hmm. But the angel of darkness is kind of just the source of like sin iniquities and tending people to unlawful deeds, but he's also kind of a part of us as well. Right. Yeah. So it's a very intimate evil. Right. It's, it's cosmic and intimate at the same time. And that's, right. that's, that's, uh, going to linger for a few thousand years in Christianity, I suspect. Although this entire, the the Satan explosion is entirely extra biblical, right? It it happens in in all of this kind of side yeah. literature, yeah, fanfic, yeah, yeah. Bible fanfic, right? Um, but also, um, one of these groups that uh was considered, you know, that was othered and considered, you know, a, an a, alliance with Satan was the Jews who followed Jesus. So it kind of crosses into. Oh, there's some heavy-duty othering for that, yeah. Yeah, and also um, for, let's see, what was my train of thought? It also became something that Christians glommed onto to create an identity, to to be able to, act, you know, act against something. Right, because everybody else was, was in league with Satan. <laughs> exactly. Again, it's sort of like us versus them is, is yeah. always the way things go. Right. But yeah, there's. I found that fascinating as... I am just a new, uh, <laughs> I haven't, you know, very little understanding of this period and was trying to sort it all out. That was an idea that I could easily um, glom onto. Because also, you know, this was a period where 
evil was not necessarily like individual morality was more about avoiding sin rather than practicing virtue. So that also can kind of fit into this idea of conflict, right? So you're not, you know, what, where violence came from, like we all know the Watcher story that's, you know, violence came from um, the Watchers teaching humans metallurgy. Um, Right. But you're not, you're not necessarily being good. You're just not being bad. Well, you, uh, the original sin concept wasn't really a thing quite as much. Right. Mm-hmm. That that wasn't quite as baked into us as an idea. And, you know, we were good because we were automatically assumed to be part of, by, by we, I mean, I don't know what I mean anymore. But the um, the covenant Humans? with- Yes. Mm-hmm. The covenant with Yahweh assumed that we were kind of intrinsically in line with Yahweh and sin was falling out of line with him, mm-hmm. with that walk. So, yeah, I mean, sin is something that that leads you astray from God, but I don't think you need to worry so much about living the best possible life. You live a life that's in harmony and aligned. Yeah, and another interesting theory about Satan entering the story is that, I mean, this was also a time where that, you know, initially, we talked about this a long time ago, initially, Judaism was this, I mean, it still is a covenant, like, it continued to be a covenant religion, but there was a moment where Yahweh was intimately involved in people's lives, mm. and then they there was a distance that was created, and it feels like Satan came into that distance, or sort of this idea of there being a Satan or Satans came with that distance, and so then angels and demons became the the figures that moved between the world and interacted with humans more. Well, that fits Job because basically Job was perfectly happy to be in line with Yahweh and had no problems, but. Mm-hmm. Satan had thought that, or the Satan acting at the time, the acting Satan at the time, thought that by taking away what was good in his life, by punishing him and torturing him, he could lead him astray. So, like, the evils are the things that can happen to you that can, like, be obstacles in your path with Yahweh. Mm-hmm. So that does kind of make sense. And also, there's just another interesting point in here that, is it the Essenes? Essenes, yeah. Essenes, they uh, more about them. They, they insisted that a new covenant. Now that sin has entered the world, a new covenant needed to be found, like needed to be created, because the old one of Abraham no longer fit. You know, it was too weak, and so they insisted that people be without sin um, to enter this covenant. And the Essenes were apparently very keen on purification, ritual cleansing living apart from unclean people, observing, fiercely observing a lot of things to keep yourself free from sin mm-hmm. and its touch. Yeah. For ba- the expression of anger. Yeah, it's just really, really, really observant religion. And they, uh, or there was uh, the author of the Damascus document, um, essentially that was a, a scene, cr- a, the, written by an Essene author, and it denounced uh, pagans and Christians, both as followers of Satan, and someday they will face God's judgment. But they also, or the the, off, the war scroll was also authored by an Essene, mm-hmm. and that is where we were talking about the Prince of Darkness versus yeah. the Prince of Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the Dead Sea Scrolls were actually kind of a hodgepodge library. There was a lot of Essene texts. There was some stuff that was native to the Qumran group. There was just copies of Bible books and then commentaries in Bible books. 
and some stuff that just made it into the collection that was either interesting or worth observing. So it was a huge variety of sources, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is neat. And two of the names of evil that kind of come up most often in these texts are Belial and Mastema. Mm-hmm. Both them, and I think Satan to a degree, have the same kind of issue where it's hard to tell at any point in time whether the author of a text involving these people, these creatures, is talking about a critter or a concept word. Like, Belial means worthless or rebellious or destructive or lawless, kind of like the Antichrist in that regard. And Mastema means enmity, hatred, hostility, wickedness. Um, And at any point in time, like, they might be talking about you know, and then wickedness entered the company, or this, and then Mastema entered the company, and like, are they talking about a demon or just the idea of wickedness? And even if there's like a, a determinative that says like the what Mastema, you still can't tell if it's like an entity or a concept word. But sometimes, like in in Jubilees, I think there's some very specific things where like Mastema is ordered by God to do this, that, and the other thing, and it's very clear they're talking about a a spirit in that story. Mm-hmm. In fact, Mastema is ordered is uh, the angel that sends the plagues in Egypt and is the one that kind of sends the Egyptians after the Jews in Exodus. So in many ways, he's, he's kind of the destroying angel, kind of like uh, Samuel is sometimes an angel of death. But I think both Belial and Mastema are definitely created by God for a purpose, albeit a dark purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... Oh, what's the word? Grease. Grease? <laughs> it's grease is the word, oh is the word, is the word. It's got groove, right? It's got feeling. The enforcer. The, the, the adversary? Doer, the doer of things which are unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, kind of that. Mastema's role is, is divine, divine bad guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you're looking at the idea of Satan as the anti-divine figure, the devil, like Belial and Mastema may not universally do that. And they may be God's God's kid more often than not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also in that yeah. kind of the startup Satan period, you have Azazel and Shimuya, Shim- Shimyaza, the two heads of the Watchers. And again, neither one of those is really anti-divine because they're never really fallen. They're just kind of, they they sin, but their children are the evil spirits. They are angels that made mistakes, and they're punished forever for them, but they're not necessarily like demonic thingies. That's that's their, their uh, children after the flood. And also Zazzle, or how did you say it? I think I've been saying it wrong. I, I, I don't Azazel, know. Yeah, that's right? what I usually try and say because the L so- carries weight. That makes sense. Um, but he's also, uh, he takes on sin as a burden in the whole scapegoat. Right, right, thing. right. So he has mm-hmm. a divine function as well. Right. Um, like mm-hmm. if he wasn't part of God's plan, God wouldn't say, you know, give him a goat. One hopes. <laughs> Be kind of you weird. get a goat and you, you get, get a goat. goat. <laughs> <laughs> So Belial and Azazel and Satan are actually used kind of interchangeably, uh, depending on like what books you are. Like it seems like they're synonyms. Some authors will say that X and Y are the same entities when they describe them as entities. Particularly Belial and Satan, I think, are are quite similar. Mastema may hold on as the angel of destruction for a while and kind of keep a keep his halo for a time. Okay. 
Sorry, I think I well, I guess I didn't really derail us. None oh. of this is applicable. Sure. Yes. For sure. There's another spirit that kind of enters the picture at this point in time, and that is Halal or Lucifer. I mean, I had never heard that name before, so please tell me more. Halal, you mean? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really understand the full story. He's kind of a god of light, probably an incarnation of Venus, the, the, the morning star, which is also something that Lucifer is called the star of the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's all these kind of the shining one lights and ideas um, that kind of coagulate in this character that becomes Lucifer. And Lucifer, like in 380, starts to be tied to Satan proper. Can I ask a question? Sure. So, if Halal is associated with Venus, was there a feminine aspect at some point with this figure or kind of a non-binary aspect? Um, I think Venus the goddess... I, I don't know. I don't know that the idea of Venus as like the Venus de Milo goddess figure, that's that's Greek. So mm-hmm. that's probably like post 400-ish or so. I don't, I don't know when she would have entered the picture as a female goddess. I don't think the planet Venus is particularly female or male, it being, being a planet. But it does, the symbol is, you know, used to signify... The female. Right, but it's not actually mm-hmm. printed on the planet. <laughs> it's not, there's not like somebody with a, a cosmic label maker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> One of those old clicky ones. Um, <laughs> yes, click, click, click. <laughs> ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Ka-chunk. That's where thunder comes from. Oh, That's I didn't, the, I the didn't know. That's the gods labeling stuff. <laughs> okay. I uh-huh. learned something. Okay, that's that's nice. That's nice. Mm-hmm. So Halo, and I was like, wait a second, you, you've got Lucifer's Halo, and they kind of sound different. Like Halo sounds kind of Hebraic, and Lucifer doesn't, right? Uh huh. So Lucifer is, of course, the Latinized, and it's literally like from Lux, and then like bearing, be like to carry. Yeah, the the he, bring, the, he the, brings soap. <laughs> 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 yes, the the bearer of light, the light bearer, Venus. Whereas the Halel is Halel ben Shekhar, which means the shining one son of the morning. Oh, okay. And they're so, I mean, it's literally the same word. It's the shining one. Right. Who is mm-hmm. Venus. And the Greek, we've got Latin and Hebrew, the Greek for Venus, the morning star was phosphorus. And the mm-hmm. evening star was Hesperus. Okay, okay. And I was like, oh, all of these words, we've got Lucifer and Vesperus and Phosphor, but Halal is what they, they called him in Hebraic land. Interesting. There's an Ugaritic deity named Hilalu. Yes! Who is the a snake god and a shining god who gets into a conflict with El and is cast out of heaven. So you have a very Lucifer type story with him of like shining God that make that makes someone mad because of pride and gets cast out. Mm-hmm. I'm reading a very brief little article from Ancient History magazine that talks about this story where it also kind of folds in ideas of Adam and the tree of life as well. But they also go on to say that Hilalu is renamed Azazel in a later 
uh, in a later story. So all these kind of dualistic light god ideas are tied together. I don't know how they reach the Azazel conclusion. Hmm. But it is interesting that the shining god motif, the shining god fallen from heaven, is one that carries from Mesopotamia through Isaiah, where they talk about, you know, Lucifer, star of the morning, how you've fallen sort of thing. And it's interesting. I, I don't know where I saw this, but it's it's important to note that the fallen, all of those stories, the angel angels uh, fall to earth. It's only in the last days do they get sent into the center of the earth. Right. They fall right. farther and deeper as they mm-hmm. go forward. I think maybe that's because the other world is over there, not necessarily under there. Right, exactly. That makes makes sense. I hadn't thought about that. But yeah, so... As as we all know, the other world is in England. (laughs) Or or, uh, like Wales, the Isle of Man. Yeah. Um, It's just, it's across the sea. So the the apocalyptic story in Isaiah is definitely a part of the energy of this period. In that it kind of shows like epic struggle of good versus evil sort of thing. But... Halal Lucifer as a Satan figure, like as the anti-divine figure, that that takes a while to percolate. That that has to get into like the early church fathers before that becomes really a part of our myth. Uh, Samuel gets a mention in the intertestamental literature as well. He's in the Apocalypse of Baruch, and I think is mentioned in Enoch one in a very offhanded sort of way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he later on becomes like the the actually the most common like proper name for Satan. Like if you're saying you know. Satan is my job title. My name is X. It's probably Samuel. Um, mm. But that doesn't happen until we're dealing with kind of the the rabbinical writings and the Talmud period, a solid 700 years from now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So where are we historically? <laughs> Drifting around between like 150 <laughs> and 50. Okay. All right. With, All some, right. Out, with some outliers around like 180 okay. or so. Let me let me get my I just wanted to get my bearings again of where we are. All right. All right. One last one that I want to mention because it plays into the Testament of Solomon is Asmodeus, who makes his first appearance in the book of Tobit, but he's kind of just annoying there. Like, well, I'm kind unless you're Sarah, he's kind of annoying because he stalks Sarah and murders all of her husbands on their wedding night over and over again until the eponymous hero Tobit exercises him by burning fish. And that <laughs> what wait like fish livers and some herb or something makes a smoke that is that wards off Asmodeus, which I think is mentioned in the Testament of Solomon, where where Asmodeus or Ashmi or whatever is one of the major figures that helps Solomon access the lore of all demon kind. Is this why that one lady keeps microwaving tuna in the break room at work? <laughs> She's trying to get is she rid just, of Asmodeus. Like getting, is she actually sanctifying the building? Sorry. She may be trying to drive off Asmodeus, yes. It's working because I haven't been in the break room in months. <laughs> <laughs> I know so much more about you now. So a uh, question on pronunciation. I, I seem to, this seems to be my thing. So I don't know if this is canon, but is it? I'm going with ghosts pronunciation of as Asmodeus because of the song Year uh Year Zero. Um, that sounds is it correct or is it Asmodeus sounds more right like wait on the Aeus. Yeah, because I guess that rhymes with rhyming with, rhyming with Amadeus. 
Um, but also, <laughs> yes. Asmodeus. He's also Ashmi or Asmodee or whatever okay. that is. Mm-hmm. And his his heritage is kind of uh, he's a jinn at heart, and is king of the jinn sometimes instead of or as well as king of the demons, mm-hmm. and has a strong Persian background where he's kind of the angel of hatred or the diva of wrath that's um like directly under the the dark side of the big dualistic power series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay yeah. all right asmodeus is he's kind of a big name in the book of solomon but otherwise it just appears in tobit as like a demon he's actually kind of friendly and avuncular later on in his story as well um but Mostly, he doesn't appear until the Testament of Solomon, which we're into like 280s at that point, and not really intertestamental at all. Mm-hmm. And we still have to do an episode on that. We definitely will, but I think that's like <laughs> going to be the bridge to medieval land. Yes, 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 yes. I'm just super excited about it. Circling back to the two like big watcher types, they really don't qualify as Satans, although they are kind of heads of the demons at some point in time. Um, Shemoya Shemoya has some interesting ties to the Metatron mm-hmm. um, in one of the books that was kind of derivative of Enoch his name was Azza in that book and he was kicked out of heaven because he didn't like that Enoch was raised to the title of Metatron and again I see that my document has spell corrected this to Metron <laughs> I don't know I don't know what that means. Could you refresh us on what the Metatron is? It's the voice of God. Okay. Um, And if you buy into the two powers in heaven idea, he may be more like the presence of God or the divine power under God that eventually becomes Jesus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just doing this for our listeners. It's not as if I knew. I knew what it was. <laughs> right. No, I totally, totally knew that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. As, a, as it happens, another Solomon link gave Solomon the list of angelic names in magic because when the Testament of Solomon was written, he hadn't fallen yet. He wasn't a fallen watcher. He was still an angel. Okay. Uh, he may also be the angel of Egypt. So another thing for the people of Israel to kind of get up in arms about. Samuel is the angel of Rome. Shemoya is the angel of Egypt. Mm-hmm. These are these are kind of opposing forces to the the people of Israel. It's interesting because we haven't. I mean, everything I've read says like, oh, Egypt really wasn't important in the creation or the sort of understanding of Satan in Judaism. But you mentioned it was it was huge as an empire. Right, 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 right. And mm-hmm. I th- I know that there's some connections between Satan and Seth, the kind of the, the the wilderness trickster god who does have a very satany azazeli style i mean azazel is a god of strength sometimes seth is a god of strength mm-hmm. so he may have figured into the satan myth uh-huh. and um he's definitely part of the canaanite ball story which predates um israel and yahweh by a good 500 years or so mm-hmm. at least mm-hmm. but i don't know i don't know that he is like like in the lineage of satan's i think that Egypt was definitely like not a big thing around like 500ish or so because okay. other com- other countries could take over and it was a, it was definitely a big power in the region but um around like 500 to 700 it was much less of a thing compared to obviously the empires that took over Israel like it was more of a mm-hmm. historical 
thing in terms of the Bible period, if I'm not mistaken. So I think my ultimate understanding here is that uh, essentially the idea of Satan at this time was kind of a decorator crab where they're describing from there's a lot of different influences here that have kind of come on to been placed onto this idea that could be the personification of evil or sort of giving evil a kind of yeah like like a, putting putting evil onto a thing yeah. or a manifestation of conflict which leads to an othering which leads to placing evil on a thing and yeah. on people okay. we have we have this kind of surge of the idea of satan's but we don't have like the idea of the devil yet and that's right. something that starts uh, starts to like mm-hmm. you get through christianity and they start kind of having the satan as the capital name s and Satan mm-hmm. starts becoming like the main synonym for the devil. Not the only one, but kind of the main one. The main reason is that they hadn't learned how to make tights yet. <laughs> I was just going to say, so the red tights came later. I'm glad. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had, had to wait for medieval theater for that. Yeah. Capes, not a thing yet. Few people tried to, you know, make that popular. Still hadn't happened. Like, a yeah. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about next week? I think critters. <laughs> critters. Tights. So are we are we ever actually going to get to the idea of the uh of Shoal? Um I think next week we're going to talk about critters and then okay. we might get to ideas of the Hebrew afterlife, but I think that's going to be a fairly short episode. Okay. Okay. A, but that's a little, fine. A little mini sode. I think okay. so. I think so. And then mm-hmm. and then Greece and Persia I suspect will come after that. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But until then, we will either see you in Boston or see you in hell. (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to editorialize about that because Boston is fantastic. I, I look forward to it. This podcast is copyright 2023 by The Dispatchist and is Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at The Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.